Hey there, and welcome to a very special Halloween episode of Let's Talk Movies. Again, I'm Zachary Markley. I really appreciate you joining me here today. I have a few movies to cover today, so I will get right to it. Stick around, grab some popcorn. Things are going to get spooky. As you've noticed, I like to tell a little bit about the movies I watch during my week. So, instead of trying to name the 10 best movies to watch during Halloween, I think I'll just talk a bit about some of the movies I like to watch on this holiday and ones I've watched on past Halloweens. First up, it isn't Halloween without a John Carpenter movie. And conveniently for us, the man created a movie specifically for today, 1978's Halloween. There really isn't much about this film that hasn't been fully discussed elsewhere, so I'll just share a few of my takeaways. Even though it wasn't the first slasher picture, think Psycho and other films of the early 60s and late 50s, Halloween certainly launched this entire slasher subgenre into popularity. Though it took a while for this to happen. Halloween, the original one, 78, it was a financial disaster on initial release, but thanks mostly to the power of word of mouth, the film began to pick up more and more screenings around the country, and the rest is horror movie history. And if I recall, it was Halloween that was the highest grossing independent film until The Blair Witch Project came some time later. Pretty wild. Yes, Halloween is a slasher film, but there really isn't a whole lot of gory violence in this movie. In fact, very little blood appears in camera. Most of the kills are hidden by shadows or foggy glass or camera framing to suggest that things are more violent than they appear. I think that's what makes this film so enduring. All of the horror that you think you're watching is projected from your mind. That's what makes a good horror film, in my opinion. The more things you show, it takes away from it, you know. So you put this up against, like, Hostile or one of the Saw sequels or something. Violence is just so overpowering. And this, you know, your mind projects the horrors that you imagine are there. It really does a good job. And yes... The ghostly white mask that Michael Myers uses to stalk Jamie Lee Curtis and the other babysitters is a William Shatner Star Trek mask, turned inside out and slightly altered. I think maybe they painted it or spray painted it or did something to it to make it a little bit more ghostly white. But yes, that was originally a Captain Kirk William Shatner Star Trek mask. The original pitch for this project, before John Carpenter and Deborah Hill came on to rewrite the film, the original pitch uh, was to call this project The Babysitter Murders. That, of course, was changed for the better once this film was in the writing stages. Honestly, having the events take place in basically one night, Halloween night, it's pretty terrifying. After all, the tagline on the poster is, The Night He Came Home. As I mentioned, Jamie Lee Curtis plays one of these babysitters, and this was her first big movie role. She, of course, went on to star in tons of things, including a slew of horror pictures uh, like Prom Night, Terror Train, the highly underrated Road Games, and she worked with John Carpenter again in The Fog, which is another great spooky film, which could easily be watched today, although I like to save that for April when the story actually takes place. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis also had little cameo voiceover appearances in a couple Carpenter films like Escape from New York. So the next time you're watching some John Carpenter, just see if you can pick out Jamie Lee Curtis's voice. Uh, Jamie Lee is the daughter of superstars Tony Curtis and Janet Lee, who herself was a horror starlet in Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis and Janet Lee both ended up working together on John Carpenter's The Fog. Yet another reason to check out that highly 
engaging, and highly underrated film. The film score to Halloween is one of the most iconic in all of cinema, with that alternating fifths in 5-4 time. You know, John Carpenter said he came up with this from his early music lessons with his music professor father. And as I've mentioned before in other episodes, John Carpenter writes almost all of his own film scores and does so in a very improvisational fashion. So this was just something that he remembered from the early days. And there you have it. Halloween was such an eventual success that Carpenter and Deborah Hill were approached to create a sequel. Uh, of course, they, felt they told everything they, they wanted to say in part one, but you know how it goes. Lots of money talks and everything else. It's like, well, okay, I guess we'll come back and write a sequel. And John Carpenter also did the music for the second part. Uh, it's worth noting, too, that because Halloween was being broadcast on television around this time, the powers that be asked John Carpenter and crew to shoot additional footage to actually extend the runtime of Halloween for their broadcast. It was slightly less than the block that they had for broadcast at that time, which is crazy because now when you watch movies on television, they're cut for time to allow more ads. It's really wild. But if you watch this extended TV version, the added scenes actually help tease the sequel, Halloween 2, which honestly isn't that bad as far as sequels go. It picks up right where the first one leaves off and just continues to roll with the story. And it, it, it's serviceable, but it is enjoyable. Now, of course, Halloween franchise has gone on for decades. There have been tons of sequels, some okay, some not so okay. A couple standout ones being Halloween H2O, and then, of course, when Halloween returned back in 2018, they sort of rebooted everything and cut all the sequels, and this new Halloween is a direct sequel to this original 1978 film. The uh, Halloween 2018 is the first of a three-picture deal, which the part two was supposed to come out this year, but as we all know, the coronavirus has stopped that. Uh, so Halloween Kills will be out in 2021, followed by Halloween Ends, I think, a year or two later. Now, we're going to skip back a little bit to one of my favorite sci-fi horror films, which happens to be my favorite sequel of all the Halloween films, the underrated and the highly controversial Halloween 3 Season of the Witch. This movie is wild. Honestly, the story behind this is in a lot of ways better than the actual movie. So after Halloween and Halloween 2 were a success, and John Carpenter and Deborah Hill were off making The Fog and a bunch of other things, gave New York the thing, all that stuff was happening around this time, <laughs> the producers requested more Halloween. So John Carpenter and his friends got together, including Tommy Lee Wallace, who was a longtime friend of John Carpenter's and a big-time collaborator. They got together... And they came up, they, Tommy Lee and John Carpenter co-wrote screenplay for Season of the Witch with Tommy Lee Wallace directing. This was supposed to be the first of a new anthology movie series where each film would be a new story taking place on Halloween night and each film would be released every year. So Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, and then next year Halloween 4, Trick or Treat, whatever it would be called. That's, that's how it would have gone. 
So this was their first and only attempt at this. Uh, the reason this film is so controversial is because audiences were not ready for a Halloween movie without Michael Myers. And I have a lot of friends out there who would agree that that is why they don't like this movie. I think, though, it stands on its own. I don't know about you, but when you watch it, maybe you'll agree with me, maybe you won't. But um, I really think it's worth checking out. One cool fun fact, though, the only reference to... The universe of Halloween 1 and Halloween 2 is a television ad for the original 1978 Halloween movie playing in a bar television during one scene. It's pretty funny. So since this would have been an anthology series, each one would have been standalone, each one would have been different, they really didn't have to worry about tying into Michael Myers or Jimmy Lee Curtis's character or any of that world. They could do their own thing. So this film does a really good job of capturing the atmosphere around Halloween, the holiday, and the fascination people, especially children, have with it. I really don't want to tell you much about it because I think it's best to go in knowing as little as possible, but I will say this. Do not expect a conventional horror thriller like Halloween. This film is more aligned with classic 60s sci-fi horror, especially some of those Hammer films that I talk about so much from England. Is it a little cheesy? Sure. But it is meant to be wild and crazy. Fans of off-the-wall sci-fi or fantasy horror should check this out. So if you're into that, watch it. If you know someone that is, recommend this to them. Okay, we're going to move away now from the John Carpenter films. I want to talk a little bit about one of my other favorite directors, uh, Alfred Hitchcock. Good evening. If you're looking to have a very suspenseful day instead of a horrifying day, then look no further than Alfred Hitchcock. Many of his films... I mean, they're not really appropriate for today because they're not autumn-themed or horror or thriller-ish enough, really. I mean, you could say there's a few exceptions, like Frenzy or something. But I have selected three classics in particular that really stand out for me and are very good to watch in the fall time, I think. First up is The Birds. This movie is super terrifying and will make you never want to share your fries with seagulls again. That's a normal, universally accepted activity, right? Sharing your french fries with seagulls? I don't know about you, but my childhood was awesome. Anyway, if you're looking for something less slash em up and something more in the believable monster genre, but Jaws is a little bit too much for you, or you want to save that for summertime, then check out The Birds. This features Tippi Hedren and Rod Taylor, and if you are a sci-fi geek like me, Rod Taylor was the star of the 1960 film The Time Machine. Great film, I'm sure we'll get around to it one of these days. Anyway, my favorite scene in The Birds is probably the one everyone talks about the most, the playground scene. When Tippi Hedren comes to the playground, and there's just the chanting of the children, in the background, and there's nothing else going on, and you just see these birds starting to gather. Woo! That one gets me. The way Alfred Hitchcock builds suspense there is just great. And toward the end of the film, too, there's another really well-done scene where our lead characters have to walk among the birds. I'm not going to tell you why or what's going on outside of that, but it's really nerve-wracking. Speaking of nerve-wracking, poor Tippi Hedren was also very notoriously verbally abused by Alfred Hitchcock on this film, and she was physically abused by some live birds that were tethered to her in order to create some of the bird attack sequences. You know, this is... this. Level of Crazy reminds me of another classic horror film that uh, would go really well with your marathon today. 1980's The Shining by Stanley Kubrick. Now, Kubrick is a known perfectionist and is known to really just be meticulous about everything he does, and his methods are kind of out there. 
especially on this film when he made Jack Nicholson and Shelley Duvall redo takes, you know, in the triple digits hundreds of times, you know. Um, and poor Shelley Duvall was really just traumatized from her experience on this film, similar to how Tippi Hedren was traumatized by Alfred Hitchcock on, on The Birds. Just really wild. If you ever decide to make your own films, just treat your people with respect, okay? Don't put them through hell like that. That's <laughs> just not okay. Stanley Kubrick's The Shining is just really well done. It's super terrifying. It probably will give you nightmares if you've never seen it. Um, but Mike Flanagan, who just came out with The Haunting of Bly Manor on Netflix, created a sequel based on Stephen King's sequel book called Dr. Sleep. About a year or two ago, I was blessed from the movie gods to be able to visit that set and oh, wow. It was like walking into The Shining, Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. They did such a great job matching the set design. So it was unbelievable. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I didn't get to work on that film. But I was working on the lot, was able to visit the set a couple times, and wow, truly an amazing experience. If you're a fan of The Shining, check out Dr. Sleep. It's really, really a well-crafted film. If you're a fan of the books, too, Dr. Sleep honors both novels and the movies. Um, if you've never seen any, what's stopping you? Yay, nightmares are great, except they're not. But if you like these movies, then you'll like the nightmares that come with this, probably. Just watch out for your bathtub. There might be a crazy woman in there. Also twins in the hallway. Creepy. Okay, back to Hitchcock. Uh, I'd also pair the birds with one you might not think would be a good fit for Halloween. But it's quite possibly one of my all-time favorite movies. Vertigo. A nauseating fear of heights is nothing to scoff at, and Jimmy Stewart does a great job in this of playing the role of vertigo-stricken Scotty. After an accident leaves Detective Scotty out of work and avoiding high places, he is summoned by an old college friend who wants to hire Scotty to follow his wife, whom he believes has been possessed by a mysterious figure from the past. This movie is absolutely gorgeous to look at, and the themes of death and reincarnation are all over the place here. Yes, there is most definitely a love story, but does not go the way you think it will. Great performances from James Stewart, Kim Novak, and Barbara Bel Geddes. The score by Bernard Herrmann is excellent, one of my favorites, and the cinematography is so great in this, it actually reinvented some things. Hitch and crew created something called the dolly zoom for this movie. This is also known as the vertigo effect or the push-pull, where you literally push the camera forward on a dolly and then you pull the zoom in the opposite direction or vice versa. This has been used countless times in film and television. It's where you see, like... The actor staying the same in the background comes closer or pulls further away. You can see that in Poltergeist. Um, but one of my favorite moments is in Spielberg's Jaws on the beach with Roy Scheider. And it's really an effective move. Vertigo is another one of those movies that it's better to go in knowing as little as possible. Just like my next pick from Alfred Hitchcock, Psycho. Psycho is a true masterpiece of disturbing terror. Again, the less you know about this, especially now, 60 years later, the better. In fact, when it was first released, Hitchcock had these disclaimers all over the marketing, the trailers and the posters, everything, proclaiming no one will be allowed into the screening once the movie has begun. He didn't want you to miss anything, and really you shouldn't. Starting right at the beginning, you have no idea what's going to happen to these characters and where the story is going to go. Whew. Great performances all around, too, by the way. What's really cool about this is a recent 4K remastered collection of select Alfred Hitchcock films that's just been released 
comes complete with an uncut version of Psycho, which I didn't know existed until very recently. Uh, apparently, from what I can tell, this newly restored film features extended scenes that were originally censored in the U.S. At, upon release. Um, this this is the version that Hitchcock wanted everyone to see back in 1960 and beyond. And according to some sources, the only remaining uncut projected version was being shown in Germany. It's pretty wild. Again, I won't really go into too much, but I can't even really tell you when they happen. But if, if you want to know a little bit when to look out, I know two of the scenes. One happens at the bottom of some stairs, and one happens before that, before a certain shower scene. So good things actually before and after a certain shower scene. There's another one there too. So just some things to keep an eye out for if you've seen the movie. Also, fun fact, Psycho is the first film to ever show a flushing toilet on camera. So, thanks for that, Hitch. We really needed that. I won't tell you any more than I've already said. I've watched this movie, I think, two years ago with my wife, who had never seen it before, and by some cinematic miracle, didn't know hardly anything about it. I can only hope you can experience it that way, too. It's truly a remarkable film. Here's some honorable mentions for my Halloween horror picks. Don Coscarelli, indie sci-fi horror maestro. I love all of his movies, particularly his brilliantly weird Phantasm movie series and also Bubba Hootip, which stars a wonderful Bruce Campbell as Elvis Presley in a nursing home who has to team up with Ozzie Davis, who thinks he's JFK, uh, to take down a mummy. It sounds, it's just as wild as it sounds. I love that movie. It's funny. It's kind of spooky. And it's, it just is great. Uh, the Phantasm series, of course, cult favorite. The first one, especially from the 70s, late 70s, it was really out there. And we have some tropes like the tall man coming in to play. We have these flying silver balls with these spike things coming out of them. And some really cool stuff came from these Phantasm movies. And, uh... They're a lot of fun. I love to revisit them every chance I can get. Another honorable mention is The Others, starring Nicole Kidman. This is just a classic ghost story uh, that you should watch without any spoilers to. Uh, actually, come to think of it, a rewatch would be pretty interesting with that one, knowing what you know after watching it the first time. Hmm. Maybe I'll watch that today. We will see. I've also selected the anthology film from Mike Doherty. I can never say his name right. Doherty? Michael Doherty? He just directed Godzilla, King of the Monsters, the, the United States remake. Okay. And he did Krampus, that guy. Anyway, his anthology horror film, Trick or Treat. This is a spooky little movie that makes you think it's a lot more violent than it actually is. Uh, every single kill in this film is off screen or during a cutaway or some clever framing. Kind of like how Halloween was. Except this one definitely has a little bit more blood on it. But it's still a pretty clever film. I mean, you have a bunch of little short stories that somehow all tie together. And trying to figure out how they connect makes for a really fun watch. Going a little international here. I'm saving my Japanese and South Korean picks for another day. Because I, I, I want to devote full attention to some of the J-horror and South Korean thriller and horror films because they are just a whole nother level of awesome. But one of my buddies from 
Mexico, Guillermo del Toro, I really wish we were buddies because he's really awesome. His film Crimson Peak is the closest we'll probably ever get to a modern gothic horror film. It has incredible set design, beautiful costumes that they actually change constantly. It's not like movies nowadays where the the lead actress is in the same outfit for the entire movie. I think I think uh, Mia Wasikowska must have like 15 dresses in this movie. It's really great. Kind of like the old movies. Anyway, cinematography and the performances all around um, are just wonderful. This is this is an oddly romantic chiller. Um, the design of the the creatures are really top notch. But I mean, that's what Guillermo's really great at is creating these creatures. Pan's Labyrinth had great creatures. Pacific Rim, Hellboy, just even The Shape of Water. I mean, he won an Oscar for that. So you know, he 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 really knows how to tell compelling stories with some creatures. I will always and forever recommend a little movie from Adam Wingard called The Guest. This film stars Dan Stevens of Downton Abbey fame. So this one's a little bit more of an action thriller if you're looking for that on your Halloween marathon. Think Terminator without the time travel or the robots. So (laughs) I'm sure he'd say that's the only interesting thing about Terminator, but it's not. The plot of The Guest is really interesting and it keeps you guessing the whole way and I don't want to spoil it for you, but it's really cool. Uh, Michael Monroe from the indie favorite It Follows, another one of my uh, go-tos, also stars here in this film. It, it's just a great little indie film. It has has a really fun kind of synthwave soundtrack. You're not really sure who to trust in this movie until things just start going wild. And it's definitely a Halloween picture because it takes place at Halloween and there's just Halloween stuff all over the place. Really a cool movie. And finally, you cannot, absolutely cannot have today without at least a little bit of the quintessential Halloween monster movies, the Universal Studio classic monsters. Whether you're doing the monster mash or just wanting to sit back and watch something that you're very familiar with, Dracula, Frankenstein, the Wolfman, Creature from the Black Lagoon, the Mummy, and the Invisible Man are all wonderful characters, and their original films are truly great classics. Of course, If you're an 80s kid, you might want to watch The Monster Squad and wonder if Wolfman has nards or not, but these films, these classic films are just fantastic. Kids will find them spooky, but they're not so spooky that they'll be scarred for life, and you'll get a kick out of these classic tales too. I mean, there's great gothic sets, great locations, um, dramatic lighting, performances, I mean, you name it. Even the music is kind of fun. They're just, you know... Boris Karloff, you know, Claude Rains, Bela Lugosi, you just have some really great classic, classically trained actors playing classic monsters. And it's really, really a lot of fun. It's always worth mentioning the hundreds of follow-ups to these two, including my beloved Hammer films from England, all the way up to good old Brennan Fraser in the 1999 blockbuster version of The Mummy, which... I love. I think that movie is magnificent. Now, if you're wanting a little less spooky and you want something more family-friendly, look no further than the Hotel Transylvania series. Beetlejuice, just don't say that three times, please. Casper, before and after he meets Wendy. The Haunted Mansion. And, of course, everyone's favorites like Hocus Pocus and The Witches, which, fun fact, was just remade as an HBO Max exclusive starring Anne Hathaway. Come to think of it, the original with Angelica Houston really freaked me out when I was a kid. I'm not gonna lie. 
Of course, if you're like me and need some Jim Henson in your Halloween, then it might be time to revisit The Dark Crystal and Labyrinth with David Bowie. Then you too can dance magic dance. There are so many things to watch out there, and I'm sure you'll have your own favorite. I mean, I say I'm going to watch some of these today, but then again, I might turn around and watch Interview with a Vampire or one of the Fly movies, which the originals with Vincent Price are brilliant. Which reminds me, coming up next time on Let's Talk Movies, I'm rewatching The Innocents and The Haunting in honor of Mike Flanagan's new Netflix show, The Haunting of Bly Manor. If you missed that and you missed his first one, The Haunting of Hill House, both The Innocents and The Haunting are the, the, the probably the best film adaptations of those respective source materials. Don't worry, it's confusing, but I'll go into it in more detail on Monday. I will also be talking about a couple other often forgotten classics like The Beast with Five Fingers starting the great Peter Lorre. After that, I'm going to shift gears a bit and focus less on the scares and more on films for the whole family. So thanks again for joining me on this Halloween morning. I hope you have a fun, movie-filled day, and you stuff yourself with candy and popcorn. I know I'll be doing that. And I hope maybe, you know, I pointed out a couple movies that maybe you forgot about or that you've been wanting to see and said, oh yeah, now I can watch this today, or something new you'd never heard of. Go ahead and subscribe to the show, leave some suggestions in the comments, or post what movies you watched today. I'd love to hear from you. So until next time... I'm Zachary Markley. Now go watch some movies. <laughs> <laughs>